So the tricky thing here is now being like, well, pretty much anything is a spoiler. There is going to be spoilers. I think so. And there's yeah. Gonna there's spoiler gonna... warrants. Put it in the title of the episode. Spoilers. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. And this is Kai. And this is part two of our Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens uh, doubleheader, I guess is what we're going to go with. Um, we have now already seen the movie. We're recording this Sunday following the film's uh, release. Uh, so we've had a couple of days to kind of uh, marinate over the the uh, intense goings-on of the film. Sort of, uh, we, I think we talked about the movie immediately after when we got home from the theater for like at least an hour or stuff, just going back and forth and be like, but what about this thing that happened? Or what about this character? I don't know how I feel about this. And sort of our general reactions, right? Yes. Yes, I remember that. Wow, thanks. Way to contribute. Um, <clears throat> so uh, since, since we already have an episode filled with our hopes and our dreams, or maybe just mine and Kai reacting to it, uh, you can listen to part one uh, of, our po- of this uh, episode. Going forward, we will have spoilers. We will discuss the film in depth, the fates of <coughs> many of the characters, where it leaves us for uh, episode eight, which is due for release in 2017. And uh, so in, if, if you want to walk into the theater unsullied and you're one of like the five people that didn't contribute to the $500 million worldwide opening weekend that the film had... Um, you know, please wait until after this, uh, wait until after you've seen the film to listen to this. Otherwise, you know, you've been warned. So, um, and the movie starts and we meet, uh, Kyle, we actually, we meet Kylo Ren pretty much right away. Like opening scene, which, which was very much, um, a parallel to Darth Vader's introduction in almost the first scene of episode four. And there's a lot of similarities and parallels that we'll get into going forward. Yeah, but... I was wondering if you were going to mention that. Oh, I mean, how can you not mention that? A lot of people that have been writing about this movie have, have noted how it is essentially part sequel, part reboot, part remake in some in some degree. Um, but is that them paying homage or is that lazy uh, screenwriting? A little bit of a little balance between the two. I mean, it's also paying tribute to the earlier films. And if, you know, if they're trying to reintroduce this after 30 plus 32 years since the last film that even that, you know, hardcore fans all pretty much universally embrace. I mean, it makes sense that they're that part of that process would involve going back to a lot of the elements of that original trilogy and sort of, you know, reintroducing them, reinterpreting them for uh, this next generation of, uh, of you know, characters. Um, so I guess we should probably, before we start getting into like deep into the film, what was kind of your general impression to, uh, to the movie and, you know, uh, did it, did it meet your expectations? Granted, you you weren't as hyped about this as I was, but did it meet your expectations? Were you bored or were you, you know, how, how did it compare to the other films in the series? And, you know, what was your general rating on, you know, a scale of five? We normally There's a do? lot of questions. Um, my view, my initial uh, viewpoint on the movie was it actually was pretty good and um we saw it at a we actually saw it in imax imax dome and there was a lot of cheering for you know things for characters that showed up for scenes that happened so that was fun Uh, it's always a fun experience to see movies and to have the audience react so i so i like that 
And so it was, it was a good film. I, it's, you know, Rob always asks me after every movie, says, how many stars? So I'll give this one four out of five. It's, I usually don't go any higher than a four. Like I really. Or a three and a half. Or three and a half. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm not really, I don't give four and a half or fives to very many things. So, so it's a four. And I think I, I liked Ray a lot. She was, she's a very strong character. And as a female, it was nice to see a female lead, like a female heroine, especially in a Star Wars movie where there aren't really that many of them. And pa- I mean, there's Padme, but Padme she kinda, and Leia, and that's about it. Yeah, Padme got kind of um, weaker as her storyline went on, and Princess Leia was a little bit more too. She's sometimes too aggressive, you know. Like she, I don't I think she really had like a fine balance of um, like femininity with assertiveness. It was just a lot of times just aggressive. But I think Ray was a nice combination of both of them. I think we you know, talked about that. Yeah, I said um, soon after we saw the movie, I, I, if Ray ends up being a Skywalker descendant, which I mean, I think everybody <coughs> is sort of theorizing that she's going to end up being either Luke's like niece or Luke's daughter or some kind of connection blood-wise to, that, to the rest of the original trilogy cast. Uh, she does have a, a nice balance of Padme's compassion and Leia's strength. Um, granted, Padme and Leia were both, you know, both had those attributes, but I felt like Padme was more like the the softer, like maternal type, and like you were saying, Leia was always more assertive, more like I can handle this myself, grabbing the gun from Han Solo and shooting the stormtroopers herself in the episode four and that kind of thing. But maybe, maybe in the seventies, that's how women take charge. Women were viewed in society, that's and I point. think that having a film like Star Wars and you know, and some other films. Well, this was a really... We were talking about that earlier today. This was a really good year for strong female leads between Mad Max Fury Road and The Hunger Games and, and uh, I, you know, I mentioned Sicario and, and Cinderella even was, like, sort of that same kind of thing, but, like, portraying her really as a strong female uh, figure. Yeah, so it's been... So it's really good to see such strong um, females that are really being characterized the way that I feel like women... Sh- Women are. I mean, we're we're very complicated. I mean, we're assertive, or we're vulnerable, we're compassionate, and we're nurturing. Yet we're we're strong and resilient, and we're a lot more than just, you know, one dimensional. And even Leia, for most of that first movie, was waiting to be rescued on the Death Star, sort of damsel in distress until like the almost like at least midway through, where Luke Luke comes in and is like, "I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you." Have your droid, and with Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi, where is he? And then she's like, sort of becomes a little more take charge. But, um, but yeah. So I would probably give this a four point five. I I would love to give it a, a perfect score, but I mean it does rely a lot on previous films, so I have to sort of knock it a little bit because of that. Um, there were several moments in the theater where I was like, my heart was like beating really hard, and I was really breathless, and and. Um, that big moment, Ray's big heroic moment towards the end, again, spoilers, when she catches the lightsaber after... And I, after <coughs> Kylo Ren and Finn are facing off, and Finn is basically out of commission two seconds later, um, and the lightsaber shoots over to Ray, who uses the Force to grab it. That was one of those, like, holy shit moments. Like, evoking the same kind of nostalgic uh, spirit of the originals and excitement... As something like the the big T Rex reveal in, in the end of Jurassic World, 
only even more so. And and I was and people reacted. That was one of oh the my God, people audience reacted. reactions. And, and that was one theater. of the few reactions that had nothing to do with hey the Millennium Falcon or look it's Han Solo or there's Luke Skywalker. It was more like holy shit we're witnessing the like the next huge uh, iconic character in this franchise sort of taking taking charge of her destiny. You know when you think about it, yeah, it is really exciting that there's a Star Wars movie outside of the the three. The three original films. I mean, that's well, pretty the, exciting because I guess everybody want to know. That's well, I you know mean, everybody wants taking place afterwards. Yeah, taking oh, place okay, afterwards. Yeah. You know, this is the first time in history that we're seeing a Star Wars movie after what happened for almost forty years ago now. Yeah, and this is the last time we're gonna have a decade or more of of hype in between films, probably for a long, long, long time. Because I mean, it's been a decade since Revenge of the Sith, and that was supposed to be the last movie it was i mean it was george lucas's eyes that was sort of like the end of the vader story which has kind of been the running theme throughout um and now we're going to be getting a film every year alternating between you know official episodes and then the standalone movies so i mean yeah people have been waiting 30 something years to to see you know okay what happened to luke what happened to han what happened to leia and the movie one of the things i would sort of knock again a little bit is that that ending is like the ending is so powerful and, and exciting, but I'm like, oh, man, I would have liked a little more Mark Hamill. Just, he didn't even say anything. Just like a sentence, a phrase, a word, something. That was, that drove me a little crazy. I was like, oh, man, I want to watch episode eight right now, and I have to wait two years. Well, um, it's better than waiting ten. Right, that's true. And, you know, back in the day, I mean, you know, we all grew up with the all the other movies were, I mean, not the prequels, but the original trilogy with... With these characters was all on video and or DVD, and you can basically just pick it up, and be like, "All right, next one." You know, it's it's been a while for a Star Wars film of this quality to come out, and then for us to then be like, have, then be forced <coughs> to wait years until the next story. I mean, I I I went through some of that with uh, the prequels, but I mean, come on, this this is a better movie than all three of those, like easily in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Would I mean, you- I watched all of them consecutively, so. Recently, so yeah, this movie was pretty good. It wasn't, um, there was weren't as many plot holes. There weren't so many. Oh my gosh, did they just say that? Moments and nobody talked about sand. Yeah, there was a lot of sand though. There was, there was a sand planet. Yeah, but there was, uh, there was a love story. So we'll see. We'll hopefully see how that goes. In the... about, are you talking about Finn and Ray? Yes. There was, a, there was inklings of an attraction more on his end, which I thought was cool. It wasn't her being like. I'm in love. I have feelings for you, Finn. It's more him being like, so you got you got a boyfriend. You got a cute boyfriend. You know what's going on. What's the deal with that? And uh, oh my God, he was great. Okay, I guess we should let's let's focus in. Oh, we we kind of did our general impression. So let's focus in now on the on the cast, the new cast, the old cast, and then we can get into story details from there. So <coughs> I uh, I did see uh, John Boyega in Attack the Block. I was telling you this earlier today, and I. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention to it. I'm pretty sure I was doing something else and it was streaming on Netflix or it was late at night. So I wasn't really, I wasn't really, I actually now have it again to try and give it another shot now that I've seen him in this, but he was really charismatic as hell in this and very, uh, very funny. He had a lot of the, uh, the comic relief, sort of the, sort of the every man of the story in a way, which is weird because he's a stormtrooper. But he's not because he, I mean, he, had, he, there was that line where he literally said, I was about to do my, you know, I was in my first battle and I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't kill for them. I just couldn't do it and that kind of thing. And I thought that was a real, that was something fresh that we hadn't seen in these movies before in a perspective that, 
you know, we've had people go from Jedi to Sith Lord and back, but we have never had someone like one of the like henchmen for for the Empire or in this case the First Order being like, yeah, no, I don't want to do this. This is not. This doesn't feel right. This is not where I belong. And sort of and feeling a, responding to a calling elsewhere. Yeah, no, that's that was definitely um, a good thing because I like it when I see characters do the right thing and show integrity in their actions. And definitely, Fen had a lot of integrity with that, and was an interesting character because you know he wasn't being he wasn't being completely honest with Ray because he liked her and was worried that if she found out he was a stormtrooper in the past, then she wouldn't like him anymore. But he had to step up, be a man, and say, hey, you know. I'm not who you think I am. And um and I think that's a lot of that was a lot of Hans Hans influence. influence he's he's as like, well. oh women women are gonna find out the truth, you know, always. It's not kind of thing, right? Yeah. And um I like how the trailers in the poster are painting him as like our new hero. And then, you know, of course it's ends up being revealed that it is he's he's not the the center of this new story. Um he's he seems like he's more of the I don't know, more the Han Solo or the Leia out of the story than the Luke. Because Rey is clearly the Luke Skywalker. She's the chosen one. She's the one that felt the Force calling to her. I mean, the title refers to the Force Awakening. But her, but she's also on the poster. Yeah, yeah, but she is. But she, like but, that, well, the one we saw in IMAX was just her. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, so I'm, referring, I'm referring more to all the... The uh, trailer footage and the poster where Finn is holding the lightsaber and like he, and they like they hyped up this lightsaber fight between him and Kylo Ren, that didn't really happen. That wasn't very much for Finn to do there. He was not the one that was really holding his own. So I and I thought that was all really smart misdirection, on the part of the movie. <coughs> um, and they had amazing chemistry together. BB-8 and the, oh, BB-8. Whole, BB-8 was great, and just as much BB-8 as, is cuter than R2-D2, I think. Yeah, but because he's more expressive. Yes, and I did find uh, we did find out that um, IMDb did say did write that BB-8 was the original model for um, for R2-D2, but at the time they didn't have the capability yeah. to do that. So then BB-8 R2-D2 has now been reborn into BB-8. So yeah, the concept art or whatever, yeah. like the digital design, yeah. Not the character. No, no, no. Yeah, didn't worry. R two D two, he's he's in there, <laughs> and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that. Uh, but you know, BB eight was just as much of a highlight as you know the promotion for this movie would would have uh, entailed or or implied, um, because you know they were going all over the place at comic cons and stuff, showing off the little robot rolling around because that was a practical effect. That was not there was there was I don't think hardly any point. Where BB-8 was CG. That was a real robot, real thing that they created with a remote control. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it was pretty cute trying to go down things. the stairs. Yeah, going one time. at a time. And like, yeah, very, uh, very expressive as far as the, the fact that his little headpiece could wiggle around. And like I was telling you, he, he can like, you know, he was, there was a moment where Finn, Ray's like, oh, you know, Finn is like, tell tell her where the base is. And he's like looking between Finn and Ray and Finn and Ray trying to decide what should he, what he should do. <coughs> <laughs> or or later on, or and then after when he when he said the uh, he told her where it was, um, Finn gives him the little thumbs up, and BB-8 does the little the little flame thumbs up thing. That was super cute. He was he was very endearing and uh, pretty much right in right from the beginning of this of the movie. I was I was already involved. I was already invested in Finn, BB-8, Ray, Poe Dameron, who po- Oscar Isaac has been doing stellar work for years. 
and it's nice to see him in a film of this you know this size and scope of course we're going to see that again in like five months when x-men comes out and in case you all don't know um oscar isaac was also in that movie that not that many people saw but was a sucker punch yeah the zack snyder i think movie. that was the first that movie was, we saw him that in. was the yeah that was the first movie we saw him in he was really great in that too and that was only four years villain. ago look at all the things he's been doing yeah it's pretty incredible so, and I'm sure that he wanted to be in this movie. I mean, I'm sure that... Well, I read earlier today that that was supposed to be a small role. So early in the film when Poe Dameron is presumed dead, like, I guess the character was really supposed to die there. And then it was really just supposed to take over Finn and Ray's story from that point. But, of course, you know, he ends up showing, coming back later later on and being more instrumental in the, the resistance side of things. And hopefully being back, you know, hopefully he'll be one of the main major players going forward with episode eight and nine. Yeah, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, we didn't get very much of him, but I think this was more like, hey, there's this guy, he's really cool, and he, he has some great funny lines with when the interrogation scene with Kylo Ren. He's like, so who talks? Do I talk? Do you talk? How does this work? Um, there were a lot of funny lines in general. Yeah, it was a very humorous film, which I'd heard about like the day or so beforehand, uh, just like from you know some like uh, reactions that I had read without really getting deep into it because I didn't I I avoided pretty much all the reviews. I mean, I heard that. It was positive buzz going into it, but I didn't really read anything because I was trying to remain as, as unsullied as possible. So um, I think it was really just to establish that he's in this world and then they'll do, um, presumably they'll do more, more with that character in the sequels. But but yeah, it's, it's nice to see Oscar Isaac in here and uh, he did a great job. They all really did. But Daisy Ridley, Daisy Ridley, she was, she was kind of a revelation in this movie and she essentially stole the whole film. I would venture to say that Ray was an even more compelling character in this film than Luke Skywalker was in the original trilogy. I don't know what what it is about her. She's just got more of a prem, pre, uh, more of a presence and more um, more of a vulnerability about her, like a world weariness. Whereas Luke and Anakin were both kind of whiny and like spoiled kids who who were then exposed to how complex the world really was you know ray sort of already knew about that she was a scavenger and like hunting down for parts so she could like get some of this gross globby stuff to eat what, was that, what was that supposed to be bread i think it was supposed to i think it it's like i think it was um because it looked like the packages the quarter portion whatever it looked like that was vacuum sealed so it looked like she was putting it in a pan and then like adding some water and it was like dehydrated food or something. It looked, which was very much of a, you know, kind of a an astronaut type of yeah uh, type of technology, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, because it looks like it's a post... See, that's the thing with Star Wars. It look, some of these um, worlds look like they're post-apocalyptic, yet it's still, the few, it's still in a different galaxy. Right. So that's, that's, that's interesting to me. I'm not sure why they had her on a desert planet called Jakku. I mean, why didn't they just why didn't they just make a Tatooine again? I mean, because that's too repetitive. I mean, there were so many parallels and and references to the original trilogy. It's like why not just make a Tatooine? We all know that it's a, a Tatooine stand-in. I don't understand the point of that. Yes, exactly. Well, one of my questions is who was that guy in the beginning of the movie? Are we uh, ever going to know who that that is? That was Max von Sydow, the actor. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know how important that is. Some people have speculated that that character might be more important later on in like some of the novels or some of the spin-off films and that kind of thing, and they'll establish him as a younger version elsewhere, and then they'll sort of explain why what he's doing here early on. But if you don't read the comic books and you don't know anything about that, then how are you supposed to know about it for the movie? You don't have to. He's just a guy. He was an important enough guy that 
Poe Dameron came back to that planet. Well, to get the, the map to Luke Skywalker. Well, how so come that Jedi guy Temple? had the map to Luke Skywalker? He must be important. I guess, but I mean, it's all the movies sort he of... Says she, he even said about Princess Leia, or General Leia now, says, she's, she's royalty to me. Yeah. And so clearly he already had a very he close relationship with her. Well, she was a princess at one point, and her mom was queen before that, so I wonder how much of that he actually knows. See, it's funny that Leia got to grow up in, you know, with under royalty, and Luke had to grow up under like Tatooine. Right, pretty much. But at, at least they were left with family. Yeah, he wasn't a slave like his like his dad was. At least. Yes, that's true. It's interesting how it's a multi generational story, story, right? Yes, but I think, I think that Ray is Luke's daughter, because my reasoning for thinking this is that when when Leia and Han see Ray well first Han Han sees her first there wasn't much recognition much attachment to her I mean if that's his daughter you know you'd think that he would care about her too not just about Kylo Ren the son that he lost it just didn't seem like he's just well, like oh he, but he, he did I mean he tried to like offer her a job under the guy which seemed like he was more like you're 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 a good person I want to have you around make sure you're safe and that kind of thing I don't know right but wonder um, why that he couldn't I mean, he didn't... Well, Leia, huffs, Leia, Leia straight up hugs her at the end. But, that right, that, that could be a sign really that's met. her aunt. Right, yeah. No, I know. There's definitely some kind of connection there, but it would also really convolute the story if that's their daughter. It's like, well, how did that happen? How was... Why did... Why, why did... Was she left somewhere? Right. I mean, but if it was Luke, and Luke was, like, ashamed of what he inadvertently did to his nephew... Uh, it makes sense why you'd be like, yeah, this kid that I have, I, I don't, I don't, I'm just going to fuck up her life too. I'm going to leave you here and then take off and then, you know, maybe come back at some point. Right. Um, well, so that would, have, that would establish that. And she did have that vision, which looked like it had some flashbacks to when she was a little girl. Right. right. And it was all involving Luke, involving Kylo Ren and like. She has the rub. she has a uh, rebel helmet that looked like the one Luke wore in the original trilogy when he was in the X-Wing. Oh what? In I didn't the beginning, see that. She was sitting. She was sliding down. Oh yeah, right. down the sand, and she's like sitting there watching the ships take off while she's eating her little bread thing. She has this helmet on, and she's just kind of chilling. Right. I even heard that she had a doll that looks sort of like Luke, but I don't remember that. And when I see that, I haven't seen this film a second time yet, obviously. But uh, well, not obviously. Some people see it like three or four <laughs> times right now. But I mean, I I haven't gotten a chance to yet. I, I will be doing <coughs> that though. But. Um, but yeah, um, there was just too much closeness, too much attachment to Luke, to have her be Han and Leia's child. It right. just one because they didn't have, they didn't really seem like they were very attached to her as their daughter, and and then two, yeah, it was too convoluted for the story. I mean, why? Yeah, have one son, one child that you raised that then went bad, and then another child that got abandoned, and then three, just she's just. Seems so connected to Luke with her, with her flashbacks and well, she's essentially the, supposed the to be lightsaber. The, she's essentially supposed to be the Luke Skywalker of the story. So I mean, it sort of makes sense a little bit why her why her she would she would feel like she has like such a connection to that character already. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I like that they didn't explain everything in this movie though, too, because then then. There wouldn't be as much mystery or anticipation surrounding. I mean, we would be super excited about episode eight, but now we're like, oh shit! Now what does this mean? What is Luke doing? Is he bad? What's he doing with his saber? Is he gonna like train her now, or is he gonna be like, thanks for the saber, get out of here? I mean, or are they related? Or what's you know? They leave a lot of unanswered questions. 
Uh, Supreme Leader Snoke made a reference to bring Kylo Ren to me. I'm going to complete his training. The fuck does that mean? Complete his training how? Why wasn't his training complete? Because uh, it seems theory, very Darth Vader-y to me. My theory is um, that he's like, there's something I have to do, but I don't know if I can. And when he finally, spoilers, when he finally uh, slays his, his own father, I think that Supreme Leader Snoke was like, yeah, I want to train you and make you like, a, a, you know, a le- you know, legit uh, Sith Lord or whatever, um, whatever title they're going to use and tr- complete your training. But you have to resolve that conflict within yourself. And maybe Kylo Ren, in his mind, that was to, to kill his father. Right. Sort of similar. So terrible. Well, yes. But, um... What a way to go out, Han Solo. Sort of like you remember in Return of the Jedi. Luke is like, um, you know, oh, is Vader my father? And then Obi-Wan and, Va- and uh, Yoda are, are basically confirmed, like, yeah, your father he is, and that kind of thing. You have to face him. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't kill my own father. And then Obi-Wan's like, then the Emperor's already won. It's like, this is your final, This is we need you to face Vader. To really, and only then will you be a Jedi. Only then can we bring balance to the Force. So it's sort of like the dark, fucked up, perverted version of that in this movie. Supreme Leader Snoke probably... They both sound dark and perverted to me. Well... How are they different? But Vader is bad and needs to be stopped. Kylo Ren is doing this to appease his master. And to to quiet his tormented soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's still bad. All of it's bad. It's all death and destruction. But I mean... um... But why why is Jedi encouraging there to be murder? Not murder. You have to face Vader and defeat him. Which is De- killing. Yeah, but if it's not in cold blood, you, you give him a chance to defend himself. It's different. It's like it's like a samurai or, or like, a, you know, Knights of the Round Table type of mentality. If you defeat them in battle, that's not... It's not like you walk up behind them and stab them in the back. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I'm, I'm almost positive that Snoke instructed Kylo Ren to 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 basically do that. And now that he's done, now that he's completed that task, now he can complete his training. That's How does Snoke know this? I don't know. We don't know who the, we don't know who the hell well I'm sure the witnesses or even, <coughs> I mean who knows. There are only four he can witnesses. sense it. Who there the hell only knows? Three witnesses. He can sense in the force. He can sense it in the force. Okay? It's a, I guess. Okay. It's a, ultimately it's a fantasy and they can explain anything away if they really want to. Um but yeah, he could probably sense it or something. Um, but we don't even know who Snoke is. Remember we talked about last podcast about, oh, is that Darth Plagueis or is that something else? Or how does he fit with anything? We didn't really get any of that, any of those answers here. However, I was right about Kylo Ren being Han's kid. Yes, Han yeah, kid. you are. We don't know about Rey yet either, but, but we'll, I mean, we'll get there. I, I, I feel like it's going to get to that point where people are going to be disappointed if she's not connected to them somehow by blood. You right. Know? Well, it's like you said in the last podcast, the Kathleen Kennedy wants to continue the story of Skywalker family. Mm-hmm. Well, if Ray's gonna be, you know, she's the main star of this franchise now, then I would assume she's a Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. Or else, why do so. we care about her? I don't care she's, about her. If she's a Skywalker. If she's not one. I still care about her. She's kind of awesome. She was probably she was probably the best character in the movie, which you know is encouraging because the lead character of the uh, last trilogy was bitching about sand the whole time. And- <laughs> And then his son bitched no. about things being unfair. Yeah. His son is like, no, I want to go to Tashi Station and pick up some power converters. That kind of thing. No, but Ray was instantly magnetic. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm hoping that Daisy Ridley can 
transform this, can kind of use this movie as a launch pad to like a really strong and prosperous career. Because I think she can. I think she can do it. I think um, everybody's going to walk out and be like, who the hell was that girl? And this is really her first like real major movie. I mean, she's only been in, I think, I think maybe one other film feature on IMDb and it was something that didn't have very many ratings. So I'm assuming it's super indie. Or, or something like that, and uh, yeah, so I mean that was very exciting. We didn't we we have maybe talked she was about... a movie she did in her theater class because she went to she actually went to a theater school in uh, England. Are you reading? Were you reading up on the trivia? I what I always read up on the trivia, uh... but it was I didn't finish it because it's too long oh. already. It's too long already. Well, it's Star Wars. I mean, there's a lot of this has been reported as this movie's been going through production and all. Right, that. I know, but the other ones are really long too. Right. And this one just came out, so I can only imagine more trivia they're going to add to it. Uh, we didn't talk about Kylo Ren, though, of the, of the main new character. So how did you feel about him as as a villain, as a, you know, a complex, um, you know, <coughs> main figure in this new trilogy and sort of, in, I guess, comparing to Vader, which is clearly his inspiration? Yeah, I mean, I think he did, um, I think he did a, a decent job. I mean, he it was definitely intimidating in his... Um, he was stronger with the Force than Darth Vader was. I mean, Darth Vader was doing, like, a chokehold Darth thing. Vader was also more of a... He was also... Well, first, he was older. Secondly, if the Force relies on midi-chlorians, which, I know, whatever, but we'll, we'll ignore that, it's in your bloodstream. At this point, Vader was, like, an armless, legless, like, stump of a man, basically. True, true. He was all machine, so he lost a lot of his abilities to use the Force. I mean... Anakin in Revenge of the Sith was much stronger before he got cut down and burnt to death, basically, almost. Um, so that's that's a lot of that. And he's not even... And Kylo Ren's not even fully trained. Can you imagine? He's going to be more powerful than Anakin was in right. the three if if, uh, if this is any indication. Yes. I mean, I didn't like the fact when he took off his mask. He's just like, oh, it's the guy that works at Starbucks down the street. Right. <laughs> I didn't want him to take off his mask, but I understood... The, the scenes to why he did that. Right. And the scene with, um, when we first see him do that with Ray, and then when we see him do that with his dad. I mean, I get that. It's more showing vulnerability, like showing I'm not afraid. I don't I don't need a mask to be his mask was bad. Pre- his, his mask is pretty badass, and his lightsaber is pretty badass. Yes. And he had a lot of amazing moments. Like in the beginning, uh, I think Poe Dameron, someone, I think it's Poe Dameron, shoots a blaster at him, and the like blaster bolt... It, like stops midair. He stops it with the force, and you see it like sitting there. And then he like and so he pulls. He takes gets they gets Poe Dameron. He kills a bunch of people. Whatever makes some orders, and then walks away. And then and then you see the little blaster bolt finish flying across the screen. Holy crap! That was some cool stuff. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, the very beginning, and that where you know he he takes Poe and uh, and tortures him. Wow. Yeah, I guess I don't remember that scene with the blast the blaster. Just you know, obviously I remember when he was being tortured. Right. But... Right. But kind of to talk a little bit about a plot hole um, related to the Kylo Ren story is that, okay. well, well, Ray really, but I think it was a plot hole that Ray was so good with her Jedi powers because Luke had to train for months to even have the ability to move things with his mind and to do the Jedi Jedi mind trick and and to even yeah, use a lightsaber. Luke and she even, was just she just got it. Yeah, Luke didn't even uh, he didn't even do a Jedi mind trick until Return of the Jedi. Oh. Which was after after two movies of learning stuff from Obi-Wan and then Yoda. I'm, I'm backing you up. Yeah, right. Saying. Yeah, I just... I, that, to me, I just... I mean, it's a really cool moment, and it's great that she's, you know, 
showing. And that, that Stormtrooper were voiced by Daniel Craig in a, in a cameo there. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't know about it until I'm gonna have to when I rewatch <coughs> the movie. I'm gonna have to pay attention and be like, hey, is that James Bond? Um, because I didn't even notice it this time. And there are three. There are three British people in this movie. Yeah, John, Boy- John Boyega. Did you count him? Yep. John Daisy Boyega, Ridley Daisy and Ridley. Daniel Craig. Oh, and uh, Donald Gleeson. Oh, and yeah, Gwendo- I too. Gwendolyn Christie as Captain the- Phasma, who, by oh, the way, the was... Peter Young's from Africa, so... Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, uh, I mean, Gwendolyn Christie, Captain Phasma was kind of a waste of a character. I mean, I guess we're going to see more of her in the sequel, but pff, not interested. What happened to her? I thought she was died or something. She... So they killed her. I don't know. I don't know what they did. I don't care. I don't really care about her. I was sort of uninterested I in like her. I like her costume, though. That was pretty neat. Yeah, the chrome Stormtrooper style. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, I just think there was a plot hole with that. She just, Ray was just a little too good. Well, some, I mean, we also don't know her background. We don't know where she came from. If, why is she a pilot? If she is a, I don't know, she flies things around on that on that pla- on that planet. Who knows? Um, if she is a Skywalker, that would explain a little bit of that natural inclination towards the Force. Leia doesn't, uh, Leia never studied the Force. She can feel things in it and stuff. True. She could sense in Empire Strikes Back. She's like, I know where Luke is. Remember? Yeah. When he's dangling there with his one hand, he's like, Leia. She's like, I'm Luke. She can hear him. True. She, she didn't train shit. She didn't even know. They didn't even but know. But did she also know that because that's her brother? She didn't know that that was her brother at the time, though. Oh. True. Okay. So, plus in the flashback with Ray, we see her as a little girl. We don't know if her dad, if Luke is her dad, we don't know if she was learning some of the Jedi stuff beforehand. And, like, he started to teach her things or talk to her about it. And maybe that's why she remembered she, the whole Jedi mind trick then. She could she, she could have repressed some of this, these memories. We don't know. She doesn't seem like she knows a whole lot about what happened before, she, you know, before she, her family left. Yeah, so, just again, been waiting. That's why we have two more sequels. So we'll, we'll hear a lot more about that, I'm sure. Um, so Kylo Ren, I think it was interesting that when he took off the helmet, or I guess it's more of a mask than a helmet, when he took off the mask, he he didn't have any like he wasn't scarred or any anything any kind of disfigurement going on. Whereas you know Vader's whole thing was he, he um you know he was burned alive or whatever and all that he stuff. He couldn't even breathe. Right, so he was dependent on the on the mechanical suit to keep him alive. Kylo Ren's all his scars and all his like complexities seem to be uh, emotional and psychological, like uh, being torn between the dark and the light, and actually being tempted to the light. For once, which we've never really seen a bad character be tempted towards the light side. We've seen a good character be tempted towards the dark side a couple of times, but we've never seen a bad character that was anything other than absolute evil. Right. Darth Maul, Sidious, Count Dooku, like we didn't see anything redeeming really in any of these guys. Just wonder what happened to him that he, you know, basically betrayed his family by going to the dark side and that he betrayed his, his uncle... Um, his his uh, teacher to go to the dark side. Like, what happened in his childhood that made him just feel such a just want to disconnect so much? I mean, I'd like to think there was a lot, you know, right. a lot of love there. Unlike well, Anakin, I mean, I mean, think about of... think about the uh, the first movie in A New Hope. We don't really know a lot about any of those people's backstories. It's not until the sequels where you they really flesh everything out. And you're like, oh, that's why Luke, blah 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 blah. So I'm, I'm assuming we'll I'm assuming we'll get a lot more of that. On behalf of his, you know, Ray and uh, Ray and Kylo Ren, since they do seem to be the two opposing figures of this trilogy um, going forward. So, who do we think Finn is related to? I don't know if he's going to be related to anybody. I heard rumors that he would be related to Lando. 
but honestly, I almost sort of hope that he's not, because I mean, each of these trilogies has like one African American male in it. It's like, would we really need to have him be related to one of the other two, either Mace Windu or Orlando Calrissian? It's like, I don't know. Well, I think that was the original initial theory because he had, um, in the trailer, had the lightsaber and it's like, oh. Well, that would be more Mace Windu knows than the, Lando. Yeah, he knows the, the ways of the Force. But now that he was just a stormtrooper guy, then he, he could just be a stormtrooper guy. Plus, he even said, I just got my name. Like, I just became F. F N two two one eight seven. Was it was it two one eight seven? Yeah, think. nobody really had asked him. He just that's became who he was. So yeah, he was taken from his family when he was a kid, so and trained by the first order. Um, yeah, so I don't know if we're gonna. I mean, I, we don't really need to know everybody's backstory to this extent, but I mean, Ray and Kylo Ren. I'm sure we'll get lots more about that going forward in the in the next movie. So do we want to talk a little bit about all the parallels between this one and Episode Four sure. and how it's a little. A little uh, excessive. So, first of all, we come into the movie and you meet the bad guy who's wearing a mask and has a like deep like oh, like um, has a deep voice that sounds like it's sounds like it's exaggerated by some kind of mechanical uh, you know alterations. Um, coming in and killing a bunch of people and taking a hostage. Meanwhile, that hostage put some vital information into a droid. Who's like runs away with it onto a desert planet and runs into? Well, they were already on the desert planet. I know. Whatever. Well, instead of sending him from space and landing on a desert planet, right? Okay. Whatever. Say, I'm, I'm give me my broad. I'm getting. I'm, these are broad strokes, obviously. And then finding a person who has an untapped ability to harness the force, who ends up getting swept up in a, uh, you know, in a larger adventure involving Han Solo and Leia and this rebellion against the government and. There was a lot of that. Like, the story is essentially episode four. It's a little bit different. To the point that they even take down, they're even attacking Starkiller Base, which is a, a different shaped Death Star, basically, that blows up planets. Um, I mean, I, I could have, personally, I could have done without Starkiller Base. And when that whole attack was going on, I kind of was not, I didn't really give a shit about that. I was more, way more invested in Han and Kylo Ren and Rey and all the like personal family drama happening between between those characters rather than oh we're gonna we gotta shoot this thing and blow it up again before I do, like yeah this is the third time we've seen that I, I don't know how what are your reaction what's your thought about what are your thoughts about all the parallels to this to the original film I mean to the point where we even had a, a mentor to one of our new characters get slain right in front of them. I mean, that whole Kylo Ren killing Han Solo on the bridge, which, which is a clear homage to Empire Strikes Back, where he's like, you and me can, you know, just take uh, overthrow the Emperor and rule the galaxy as father and son. Right on, a, which again happened like on a catwalk. But Ky- Kylo Ren didn't say that no, to no, Han Solo. No, no, not saying that. He said the exact but same But he said words. it to Rey. So that's definitely a parallel. Well, I mean, they he all did the say bad it to Rey. do that. He's like, you're, you know, you're knowledgeable about the Force. I can... You need a teacher. I can, yeah. I can train you. And so that's that is definitely a parallel. Just a different... but the catwalk. I mean, it's a similar it's a similar setting to Empire Strikes Back. Right. Yeah. And I mean, she he uh, he kills Han Solo, who was has, was positioning himself to be sort of a father figure to Rey, right in front of Rey as she's watching, going almost going no, just like that part where Ben Kenobi gets killed by Vader in that lightsaber battle in the original film. There was a lot of that to the point where I, I was sort of being, I was, it was sort of becoming easy for me to predict where this was going to go. Like, I'll say this and then this and then this. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. Um, and how would they, and how would the, the screenwriter even not 
think that people are going to jump to those conclusions. If you're such a star, a, a, a fanatic Star Wars fan, then you're you've clearly have seen the movies thousands times over. Right. So it, so I'd like to think that it was more of an homage compared to lazy screenwriting. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I mean they were trying to capture the nostalgia and the spirit of the original films, and I mean it's not like it was an exact remake, but there was enough. There were enough moments that seemed almost directly lifted out of the original film for me to sort of to for me to to knock the film a little bit just because of that. However, I mean the way they the story they set it up for for in episode eight with Ryan Johnson writing, I think writing and directing, um, that that that's positioned to probably be the best to prob to probably be even better than this movie because now you don't have to be like here's this girl, here's this stormtrooper guy who's not a stormtrooper anymore, here's this other scary black guy in black uh, scary black I almost said scary black guy <laughs> not not fan I'm talking about Kyle Ryan uh, scary guy wearing all black with a red lightsaber here's Luke and Leia you know who all they who they are this is what happened this is their motivation let's go and I uh, I think in the next movie they can basically pick it up from there and, uh, and you know really really take off and um, bring a lot more imagination and innovation to the story that we didn't get a chance to see in this one because it was in a lot of ways sort of a reintroduction Right, exactly. It was like an origin story. Sort of. Plus, right. I mean, you know, George Lucas, I mean, granted he wasn't involved in this movie, but he said with the two trilogies, there is a lot of parallels and a lot of um, moments and story beats that happen, again, slightly differently to different characters or whatever, but they kind of callbacks. Like and, history repeating itself. Like history repeating itself, and also like he's referred to the saga as sort of poetry or sort of music and how it comes around and there's certain notes or refrains that that are repeated uh you know throughout the the, the full piece um and there was a lot of that here so it's just for me it went slightly over the line of being of falling into that and almost to the point of like another death star another this come on really let's do something i like star killer base that's a cool name well actually that's funny because star killer they named it that because in the original version of episode four the main character was named Luke Starkiller. Oh, yeah, right. The, the, wasn't was that, that, was that in I, trivia, too? It was. And wasn't that actually a Flash Gordon name? Oh, I don't know. I mean, Flash Gordon was a big inspiration for the original yes, film. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, the original Flash Gordons from, like, the 40s and 50s, the ones that Lucas grew up with, not the uh, Flash, oh, savior of the universe, that movie in 1980. That well, not, That's a totally separate thing. Oh, yeah, right. Because well. you remember in Ted, uh, Sam Jones, the blonde guy the that that played Flash Gordon on the show on that movie in back in the eighties. That's it's totally separate. That was like that was the the nineteen eighty reboot of Flash Gordon from like the forties or whatever. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I, I think the next film could could be a lot better, and I, I I'm really I'm just really excited to see what happens next for these characters. But as for this one, I mean, it, it did an excellent job of capturing the the uh, spirit of the original films and uh, referencing you know. Referencing the backstory of the returning characters enough that it plays into the current um, the current events of the of the story, but not really being like, oh, so Leia, give me your whole history. It's like I don't have to know. They were together. Then I had a kid. They're not together now. She's you know running things again. That's all I need to know. They both fall back into the things they know. I mean, they they do enough of that without sort of like hand feeding you exposition. Whereas the prequels were like, okay, we're gonna tell you how the politics of Naboo work. Let's let's talk about the Senate hearing and let's tell about um, like, nobody gives a shit. Focus on the story. You go to Star Wars to get that that rush of, of enthusiasm, that excitement, that um, that connection to you know 
to when you've seen these movies in the past to feeling like a kid again and then like that sense of adventure where you're going to walk out and buy a lightsaber and be like, I can't wait to buy a lightsaber toy for me and my my kids so we could play lightsaber fights in the backyard. And I'm like, oh, this time I'm Kylo Ren and you'll be, you know, you'll be, you know, Ray, that kind of thing. Um, or Darth Vader, Obi-Wan, you know, whatever film you're, you're referencing. And that's that's what this these, these movies are about. They're a myth. They're mythological tales that are meant to be taken from one generation and passed down to the next. So it makes sense that each trilogy of films would focus on that next generation and create a new story for a new generation of characters and audience members to be inspired by. Right. And I think that we're definitely also in a time of films that are doing generational, getting new generations. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, look at Creed. Which is basically bringing back Sylvester Stallone as Rocky and introducing, all right, this this other new character was the the child of this other character that Rocky was close to. So now he's like he's the mentor figure. He's the he's the Harrison Ford, you know, of the Force uh, in the Force Awakens. Well, there's that, and then there's also going back in time where you know you have X Men Apocalypse or well, at least starting with X Men Days of Future Past, right. where it's the older generation that's now coming and as a new generation of X-Men. Right. So we're going to be seeing X-Men Apocalypse, X-Men in the 80s. So now the the characters that we've known in modern time, they will be disappearing pretty much probably for good. And so there's that too, just right. just in reverse. And I'm sure there are other movies. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that happening. But, uh, I mean, there's teams meeting into Turtles, which is for technically a new generation yeah. of the same Turtles. Yeah, but, but that's a, re- a straight-up reboot. I mean, there's a difference between, like, um, taking a franchise and, like, I, I don't know who, who coined this. I wish I could, I, I, you know, made a mental note of that. But the legacy sequel, where it's like, a, it's a sequel, but it's it's taking, it's it's start, like, marking a new era of that story within that same universe as the previous stories. Because, I mean, nobody wants to see a remake, like a straight up remake of the original Star Wars. They can remake elements of it and bring the original characters back and introduce new ones to sort of like a passing of the torch film. And that's or lightsaber, exa- and that, <laughs> that too. Well, I mean, and this was literally a passing of the lightsaber, actually. Uh, I mean, and that's essentially what this film is. Well, then there's also um, films that, uh, like Independence Day two, that's not a reboot. That is that is a sequel that's going to have a new. It's going to have the old generation and a new generation. Right. So there's probably going to be a new president who might be the son of the old. I think president. it's Celia Ward. I think she's playing the president. I think she's in the trailer. That's what I've read. Oh, so she we'll have the a lady. One? I forgot. No, no, we're oh. not. Well, so we'll have a lady president in the in Mission Impossible. Uh, Mission Impossible. I'm thinking something else. I've just bought Mission Impossible: The Nation on Blu-ray, so I'm like, Mission Impossible. We need to pop that in. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that and that's interesting too because they're bringing back some of those original characters, the older ones, but then also like there's a new there's new actors playing um, Bill Pullman's daughter and Will Smith's son. So so they'll probably be you know the main characters in that franchise. It's too bad it's not going to be his daughter from the actual movie because at this point... May I Whitman? Mean, yeah. It should have just been May Whitman. Yeah, but it's so cool because she... She still was the same, You know, she was... I know, that movie was only me. 20 years ago, you know, and she was probably only about eight years old. She could she could have been in the... In the, in the but maybe she didn't want to be in it. Too. Yeah, I maybe or maybe they didn't ask her because they were like, we need somebody different. And I'm like, mm, that's kind of shitty to do, but okay. Um, now we're talking about Independence Day. Right. <laughs> but, um... But no, I mean the 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 goal for J.J. Abrams in this film was to was to honor the original trilogy and give it a fresh start, and I feel like he did exactly that. Like I I'm super excited, like to the point that I I mean I mentioned this to you earlier. 
I'm more excited to see what the future has in store for Ray. Like, fuck Luke Skywalker. And I can't believe I'm saying that. But I'm excited to see what happens with him. But I'm really like, this girl has... The actress and the, and the character have just, like, are just so compelling to watch every step of the way. All the moments where... And I loved all the moments that the movie went out of its way to be like, yeah, she's not a damn blue in this dress. When he pins, like, grabbing her hand and running with her. And she's like, stop grabbing my hand. I know how to run without holding, holding her hand. That kind of thing. Or, like, where... She's being like jumped by some people in the market or whatever because uh, she's trying to protect BB-8 from getting stolen. And Finn's like, "Shit, I need to go help that girl." And he's like, gets up and about to run over there, and then she kicks everybody's ass. He's like, "All right, never mind." Okay. Yeah. And all that was great that they established that she is self-sufficient. She doesn't need somebody to help to save her. And you know, she's the one that does the saving. And I thought that was that was wonderful for especially for a franchise that has been woefully. Uh, underwhelmed as far as its female and you know minority presence throughout i mean it's usually oh, it's just basically white guys in all the star wars movies in every role what about that quote uh the kathleen kennedy just said recently which one was that kathleen kennedy with the neo and uh no no that was that was um i think that was joanna robinson who is a film critic and, and you know entertainment journalist um yeah just being how basically how saying how people are being sexist about what? about ray Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think she was great, and I'm I'm really excited to, to see her see more of her. So um, you know, what are your I guess closing thoughts on this film? Like I did a lot of closing thoughts. So what are your closing thoughts on this film? And you know, what do you? I mean, you know, I'm gonna make you come and see the next one with me. Probably even Rogue One, but at least Episode Eight. You know, what are you? What are your thoughts? And what do you want to see happen next? Um, I want to know, I want to know the you story. Wanna know, you, you want answers to your questions. I want to answer my question. I want to know who is, who is Ray related to? Which Skywalker? I know she's a Skywalker. You can't deceive me. I mean, it could be, I mean, it would have been, it would be slightly more <coughs> dramatic if it was brother and sister fighting, but I mean, cousins fighting still, still gets the same point across. Right. Maybe after Kylo Ren went all bad, like, oh man, I don't want to, Han and Leia are like, oh, man, I don't have another kid. You know, yeah, the other one might turn out bad too. Well, in the extended universe, they had three kids. One of them, there was a the older one. Was the oldest one was a boy, went to the dark side. The younger one was a girl, and she became a Jedi. And then the third one, like, died tragically as a little boy or something. Oh, I, don't know the, I don't know the circumstances because I haven't read a lot of those novels. But it's possible um, they're not doing things from the comic book. No, they're not. And I mean, that, these are novels, not comic books. But, oh. Uh, but I mean, I'm sure they had comic books with those characters too. Uh, yeah, no, I know they're not. And. But that doesn't mean that they can't draw inspiration from that. I mean, right. Captain America Civil War is coming out next year. Is that exactly like the Civil War comic book? No, but are they going to take elements of it? Yeah, of course. That's why, why, uh, why Why? break the grain? You know? Why, 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 why fix what's not broken? Yeah, exactly. You don't have to adapt it 100%, but you can take... I mean, you don't think that they, you don't think that they borrowed the idea of, okay, Han and Leia have a kid who becomes a Jedi, who, uh, who becomes a, you know, starts Church of the Dark Side. You don't think they were they borrowed that from the Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. So they're taking bits and pieces of it and kind of doing their own version of it, which I think is great because if they if they acknowledge all of that as canon, they don't have any stories to tell. Right. Everything's been covered. We know what happens to all of them way into the future. And way, you know, I mean, and it's and then it, there's no surprises. Then we don't won't have these questions. We'll be like, "Um, I know it's in this book. I don't need to know." You know what I mean? Right. And they don't get to build the story as they go along. I'm sure novels and stuff will come out between now and episode eight, filling in some of these gaps and like little hints about certain things, but that'll be up to them to divulge in their own time. You know, Lucasfilm, I'm saying, um, 
to build towards that other film, not just having it already in the world randomly and just be like, all right, well, let's write a script based on this, you know? Right, exactly. Um, well, I hope that in the next um, film, episode eight, I hope that Finn and Ray get together. I think that they'd be really cute love story and I think it's I think it's good I didn't mean to interrupt. I think it'd be nice to have them come together and clearly he's he's a hero type he's a leader and she's a leader too and it's basically like Han and Leia all over again to but just in you know a different way I, I'm glad that they didn't do that in this movie though because I hate movies that force like a love story and they're like oh they just met but now they're in love I'm like uh and the original trilogy also did that did a good job with that where they you know they're Han and Leia had chemistry in A New Hope and you could tell that he was sort of he was sort of attracted to her it was like great girl I don't know I don't know if I want to uh, what does he say kiss her or shoot her kiss her or something yeah something like that and and clearly Luke was already into her not knowing it's his sister weren't that, you wondering where I was or what I'm doing she's like no <laughs> yeah um, all of that stuff and they they built towards that where in Empire Strikes Back you know it was sometime later story wise and that chemistry just felt more natural. Like, okay, these two are way more com- familiar with them, each other than they were in the first movie. But still, nothing's happened. So you still got to see that moment where they realize that they have feelings for each other, and it is a mutual thing. And then you get that great "I love you." I know that thing, <laughs> right? Which is yeah. amazing. Okay, what about the prequels? That yeah, well, was, that's that mess. was a little forced. Well, that was. I mean, it was forced because we knew that they, these two had to have sex and, I, and have kids because and, otherwise we don't have. Yeah, and I never, and I still don't understand what she saw in him. Yeah. I don't see how that they have I don't see how they got together. He did not do George Lucas did not do a very good job with that. I mean, granted, I don't love the prequels. Okay, I do love the prequels. But I don't think they're great movies. Except for maybe Revenge of the Sith I might defend. But there are a lot of things in all three of them to like. There are a lot of the visuals sometimes are really are really strong. The uh, the battle scenes are extremely well choreographed. There are actually funny moments or strong performances, that kind of thing. But that whole love story with them, with the two of them, which is so key to this plot of those trilogy of that trilogy, leading to the tragic end for I guess both of them, was so heavy uh, heavy handed and horribly written. I mean, I wish that I could just wish away my feelings. What the fuck? Who talks like that? He does. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. He, and he just was whiny. And I'm just like, what does she see in him? I would even ask this when we're watching the film. Like, what does she see in and him? And then I had to sit next to him and like, put my hands in the air and be like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. But the thing is, you're talking about it. visually beautiful. I mean, that... Part of it, lot, Some of it. Yeah, it's just a lot of it was CGI. And that's a great thing about this movie much. was that it wasn't really CGI at all. And the, the places that they went to the planets looked like places you would actually see on planet Earth. You know, it was really... I mean, I get it. I, I get that um, the prequels, you know, took you to a far, yeah, but far they away land. But they look like video games. You even said it, and many people have said it. That's one of the biggest criticisms around. The, besides the shitty writing of the romance in the in the the prequels, the fact that everything is so CG to the point that you're like, it just looks like two people standing and playing a virtual reality game. Now I don't understand. Right. And it was so over the top, where they're swinging on the freaking like ropes while they're hitting lightsabers with a lava everywhere. It's like. Can you just make it about this? Like, look at the effectiveness of that lightsaber battle versus the like the passion in the Ray versus Kylo Ren thing. That was like edge of your seat shit right there. And it was just two people with lightsabers, one of which who had like I don't know how to use this, but I guess it's like this, fighting in the snow. It was two people fighting. It, it, it was it was a a, um, a personal conflict, not. I mean, so was the Obi-Wan Anakin thing, but it was just like them, like they were dancing instead of like fighting. They didn't seem like they were mad at each other. They just seemed like they're like doing some kind of weird Cirque du Soleil routine. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that. I'm glad that the movies have balanced CG with practical effects. And some people have said that Supreme Leader Snoke and Mas Kanata did kind of stick out like a sore thumb a little bit because they were the motion capture characters. I did sort of feel that a little bit too. Mas Kanata's especially because, I mean, you see her walking around where there's these there's actors, there's puppets, there's, you know, a lot of makeup and different effects happening in that, in that scene in her sequences. And she did look very cartoony compar- comparatively. Right. But I was still, I mean, I was still really interested in her character. And I hope that that, char- uh, that Lupita Nyong'o comes back. Because I, did think, I didn't think she was interesting. And I want to know more about where she, came, where she comes from. And the fact that we now have a character other than Yoda who's been around forever. And she's like, yeah, I've seen this shit before. Sith, Empire, First Order. It's all the same bullshit. Right. And she could be, she's like us. And she's like, yeah. This is all cyclical. I've seen it several times because we're all like, yeah, so have we. We watch the other stuff. Right, exactly. We're not even, we haven't even been alive a thousand years. Yeah, exactly. But, with, but also with the motion capture, that's also very different than um, you yeah. know, the prequels. So we were even talking about that earlier, that yes. motion capture was not being used as much in the, um, George back Binks in the early 2000s. Not, George R. Binks was not motion capture. George R. Binks was... The CGI. The, Ahmed Best, the actor who did the voice... He had like a Jar Jar like hat on or something because Jar Jar is taller than a normal man. He's supposed to be like more like six, seven feet tall. And then he was in the scene walking around with them doing the voices. But they didn't use, he didn't have the little sensors on his face. They didn't use anything to capture his performance. That was all the animators. That, which is why Jar Jar Binks looks like one of those zombie Polar Express kids most of the time. He's like, Misa called Jar Jar Binks. Right. He's like, you humble servant. Yeah. Kind of so even though they, were, they did use CGI in this one, it seems like it was more base, motion capture base, which is you know, technology that's being more widespread. And also, um, in the original films, they didn't have CGI at all. It really was just practical effects and miniatures. miniatures and so in A little bit order, of stop motion, but yeah. Not yeah, but much. they had to make it yeah. feel feel similar yeah. to that. Yeah, so. and they did a great job with that. Um, do we think... A couple more questions, then we'll wrap it up. Because we're getting... We're getting... Well, we're reaching an hour. Um, do we think any other original trilogy cast members or anybody else from the previous six films do you think we're going to see any other familiar faces other than i guess now luke and leia um luke and leia right no not not from this movie oh. from the original six films do you think we're going to have anybody else show up because remember some people can become one with the force i don't know i don't know who's going to show up um Emperor so- palpatine's dead Darth Vader, I, I thought, think, was dead. Yeah, I don't. I, I hope they don't bring either one of those two back. I think Vader's presence is felt enough, though, as is, that we don't need him to like show up and be like, we don't need Hayden Christensen to pop up and be like, hey, dude. Plus, he was redeemed. Out. Yeah, yeah. It would him to show up and be like, hey, it's cool. I'm good now. Which that's going to be, and we talked about that a little bit in the last podcast. That's going to be a nice big twist when you, because you know, there's going to be a moment in either episode eight or episode nine where Luke. Luke or Ray, somebody tells Kylo Ren, it's like, listen, this guy that you've been following, he actually went towards the light when all was said and done, and he helped destroy the Emperor. So you're trying to finish his what he started. He ended up, he was decided he didn't want to do that in the first place. So now you're going based off false information. Right. Which is, which is an interesting thing, because us as the audience, we know what was going on in Darth Vader's head more now, because we saw Return of the Jedi. And Kylo Ren is living off of this legend of, like, the Dark Lord of the Sith and all-powerful and I need to live up to my grandfather and all that crap. And that's that's an interesting place to be. I uh, I have heard a lot of rumors that Lando might come back. And I think now that Han Solo is dead, I think that would be a good opportunity for him to be like, to, to you know, maybe come to help Leia out, become part of the Resistance, or at least 
you know, give his feedback on grieving for his friend's death, that kind of thing. Um, and if they have, if Finn happens to be connected to him, then there you go. You got that. That'll tie in nicely. Um, actually, I read about this last night. <coughs> During that scene where she has her vision, you can hear a voice going, Ray, these are your first steps or something. And that was actually a snippet of Alec Guinness's voice as Obi-Wan. And then they actually had you McGregor record a line of dialogue. Oh, wow. So he might... To play Obi-Wan. And there have been rumors... Because if he's a Force ghost... If he's a, well, apparently... That doesn't Hayden, If Hayden Christensen can be can be the Force ghost at the end of Return of the Jedi, why can't Alec Guinness... Why can't Obi-Wan take his younger form? I and mean, we, don't, we don't have Alec Guinness with us anymore. And Ewan McGregor was one of those strong performances in the prequels that I think elevated that material ridiculously, especially in Episode 3. Um, so it would be interesting to see Ewan McGregor show up either as a Force ghost or in a flashback or a vision or something um there's also been rumors that at some point they could do an obi-wan standalone movie as one of the like the you know in between episodes and i would love to see that i thought he was great and we have 20 years of unexplored terrain where he drops luke off with uh owen and baru and then goes hide in the desert and then shows up again 20 we don't know he could have left tatooine gone on some other mission kicks a mass and be like all right back to my post yeah maybe there's a lot of it uh, about yoda can yoda come back as a force ghost I think so. Frank Oz is still around. He could record the voice. Um, and I, oh, a little bit of Yoda's dialogue, I guess, was played in that scene, too. I was a lot, that happened a lot really fast. And seeing it on the big IMAX, I think I was oh, sensory overload a little bit. Yeah. Because they cut back and forth. Among that vision was that scene of Luke's hand on R2 <coughs> and all that. There was a lot going on. So when I when I rewatch it now, I won't have to... I can really focus in on enjoying... on like Taking in John Williams' score... <clears throat> As well as little details like the Daniel Craig cameo and like you know, some of the other some of the other you know, character reprisals there. So uh, overall, very excited. Definitely going to be in my top ten favorite movies of the year. Um, can't wait for for more. I'm sure I'm sure I'll be talking about Star Wars Rogue One and Episode Eight on the podcast going forward as more news comes out. But um, but yeah, I would love to hear what you guys thought about Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Um, you know, send me a tweet at Crooked Table. And you can send me a tweet, too, at the Volky LLC. And I usually actually tweet at Crooked Table's stuff on Twitter as well. So you'll see you that. Read our, uh, read our articles at CrookedTable.com. Like us on Facebook. I'm not sure what when we're going to do the next episode of this. Uh, the Hateful Eight does come out in a, actually less than a week now. Um, so I, I maybe I'm I'm definitely gonna see that. So hopefully I can I can either wrangle uh, Kai or Freddie in here, or I could just do a solo show like a, a solo. It's a little bit of Star Wars humor, uh, solo show. But uh, I'm gonna try and get something up every week to ten days. I, I know I've been saying that for a while, but I need to get a little more regularity with these episodes because I have a blast doing them, and it's always and it's you know it's fun to to get the conversation started with you guys. So. Um, I guess that's it for this episode of The Crooked Table. If you haven't listened to our part one of our Star Wars episode, please go ahead and download that off of iTunes. And uh, please, if you enjoy what you're hearing, um, you know, give us uh, give us some reviews. So in the meantime, may the Force be with you, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Happy holidays. Roll credits.
This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-O-K-E-D! <laughs> 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 <laughs>